Today's episode contains disturbing content. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Summer Podcast. This is episode 27. Today I will be talking about the murder of Heather Rich, a popular teenager from a small Oklahoma town. My sources for today's episode are the American Justice episode, season 23, episode 6, titled A Murder Before Homecoming, Wikipedia, Inquisitor, Texas Monthly, and LATimes.com. As usual, all these sources will be linked in today's show notes. She was 16, a family's only daughter, a high school cheerleader. Heather was not afraid of anything. She tried all. Then she was brutally murdered. She'd been shot with some sort of high-powered weapon. The hunt for the killers turned on three friends, including the high school football star. It's pure crazy. Young kids start out having fun and it took a long turn. Now you have four wasted lives. Heather Rose Rich was born on January 19, 1980. She lived in the small town of Warica, Oklahoma with her parents, Dwayne and Gail, and her three brothers. Heather was described as a popular cheerleader, good student, but had recently become very rebellious. She was just a typical young girl, but there was something always special about her. She could enter a room and all eyes would turn to her. There I am, my tail on. <laughs> she was fun to be around, you know, she's always laughing, cutting up, doing whatever. She always wanted to do something wild and, or just, really she just wanted to, to do something different. Heather was not afraid of anything. She had tried all. On October 2nd, 1996, Heather and her mom, Gail, got into an argument over a $300 phone bill. Gail said that the last time she saw Heather, she said goodnight to her dad, but ignored her. Heather then snuck out of her house at 11 p.m. to go out and drink with her ex-boyfriend, Randy Wood, Josh Bagwell, and their friend, 19-year-old Curtis Gamble. They had asked her to come to Josh's house to drink with them in his trailer in the backyard. Randy Wood was described as pretty poor, but popular and captain of the football team. He had also been crowned homecoming king just days after Heather went missing. Josh Bagwell was another classmate of Randy and Heather's. He lived in the more effluent area of Warica with his grandparents. Apparently, Heather and Josh were very flirtatious, which we will get more into as the story goes on. Curtis Gamble was 19 and a high school dropout. He lived with his grandma in nearby Terrell, Oklahoma. He was known to drive around and kill animals. He also had a lengthy criminal background and spent most of his teen years in juvenile detention centers. The next morning on October 3rd, Gail discovered that Heather's room was empty. She and Duane went to the Jefferson County Sheriff's Department to report Heather missing. The police told them that Heather would probably turn up soon, so Dwayne and Gail began their own investigation. They contacted Heather's friends, including Randy. Gail said that while she was talking to Randy, he sounded very rehearsed and monotone. She said she didn't believe anything he was telling her. Gail also went over to speak to Josh. Josh's grandma was home and told Gail that she was letting Josh sleep because he had been partying the night before. 
Gail also made a note that Josh's grandma was cleaning out the trailer in the backyard. After a few days passed with no sign of Heather, the local and state police agencies got involved. It wasn't until October 10th when a tip about a possible body came in. Heather's body was found by a ranch owner and his young daughter in the Red River at Belknap, Belknap Creek in Texas. It took the police a while to get the body out of the river due to the decomposition. Heather had been shot nine times and there was evidence of blood on the bridge above the river. It looked like someone tried to cover it up with dirt. The police believed it was going to be hard to identify the victim, but one of the officers, Chris Hamilton, knew about Heather's disappearance. Heather was reported as having braces and that she always wore a ring. Dwayne identified Heather by the ring she wore. Her dental records were also used. I just told him to hurry up to say it. I don't remember a lot after that. I went into shock. I remember screaming, beating on everybody that was close enough to me and um, just trying to accept, accept it, that she was dead. She wasn't coming home. Since Heather's body was found in Texas, the Texas police began their investigation. The police questioned Gail, and she told them about Randy and Josh. The police also spoke to several students from Rurika High School who told them that they heard Heather attended a party with Josh and Randy. Heather did like to party, so it wasn't uncommon for her to go out. Gail also said that Heather did experiment with drugs and that she confessed this to her parents. Heather had also been caught drinking at a football game on September 27th, and she and a friend were suspended from school for three days. The police went to speak to Josh and Randy. They both told the police that they had been together playing, playing dominoes and drinking whiskey in Josh's trailer. Randy said that they hadn't seen Heather that night, but police knew he was lying. But they didn't have any evidence against either one. Once Heather's autopsy came back, they discovered she had been shot by an M9 Winchester shotgun. It was an unusual weapon, but very powerful. She had been shot once in the head and eight more times in her back, waist, and butt. The police discovered that only one place sold the buckshot ammunition used for this type of gun. It was a place called Beaver Hardware. The police were able to obtain the receipt from this purchase. It showed that 20 rounds had been purchased by Josh Bagwell, and the employee at the store said Josh was with another individual. This individual was Curtis Gamble, who was well known to the police. On October 23rd, Texas Ranger Lane Aiken went to pick Curtis up and take him, took him to the police station. He was given a polygraph test and failed. The police continued to interview Curtis for over eight hours. He admitted to them that he owned the shotgun and agreed to let police look at it. Curtis finally confessed to killing Heather and it implicated Josh and Randy. He signed a type two-page confession letter naming Randy as the one who pulled the trigger. Curtis also said that Randy killed Heather because he was jealous that she had sex with Josh. On October 24th, Josh and Randy were also arrested. Josh refused to make a statement, but Randy cooperated. Randy confessed, but said Curtis was the one that pulled the trigger. They had him take a polygraph test, which he passed. The police now believe Randy's story was closer to the truth. He, too, signed a confession. On October 25th, all three were charged with first-degree murder in Montague County, Texas. On the night of the murder, Heather met Josh, Randy, and Curtis at Josh's trailer. She didn't know Curtis. According to Randy, they were all drinking, and Heather and Josh wanted to have sex and asked him and Curtis to leave. They went driving around, still drinking, and went back to the trailer a little while later. Randy said when they returned, Heather was super intoxicated and eventually passed out. When Heather was passed out, the boys convinced each other to take advantage of her. He says me and Curtis went in to have sex with her. Curtis had sex with her. He claims he didn't. He says he couldn't. 
whether whether or not you want to believe that or not. According to Randy, Curtis did have sex with Heather, then left her unconscious in the back of the trailer. Curtis was the one who ended up sexually assaulting Heather. After a while, Heather eventually woke up and started screaming and crying. Curtis then told Randy and Josh that they needed to kill Heather so that she didn't tell anyone he raped her. Randy said he didn't think Curtis was serious, but that Curtis pulled out his shotgun, which apparently he took everywhere with him. Curtis had Randy and Josh put Heather into Josh's grandfather's truck. Josh drove to Terrell, Oklahoma, but then Curtis took over the driving and drove them to Belknap Creek in Texas. Curtis was very familiar with the creek because his grandma had taken him fishing there when he was younger. According to Randy, Heather was passed out in the back seat. Once they got to the creek, Heather was pulled out of the car by Randy and Josh and put on the ground. Randy said then he got back into the truck and heard the gunshots. Heather was down. Heather was then dumped in the river. Josh used one of Heather's shoelaces to tie a rock to weigh her down her body. Then they drove off. On October 15, 1997, Curtis pleaded guilty to murder. He was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 30 years. Just want to say one thing about Curtis. He had dead eyes. He also choked the bailiff at his trial, so it's safe to say this man is evil. Josh went on trial in February 1998. The prosecutor, Tim Cole, was afraid that Josh wouldn't be convicted. There was less evidence against Josh. His defense said that Josh was forced into the murder scheme but didn't participate. They also completely trashed Heather's reputation. They talked about her struggles with drinking, drugs, and the fact that Heather dealt with bulimia. Josh testified that he had walked away from the scene to go to the bathroom. Curtis testified at Josh's trial and said that Josh didn't know that Heather would be killed. Curtis changed his story and violated his plea agreement. He was sentenced to an additional life sentence for conspiracy to commit murder. The day before Randy was to testify, he withdrew his plea agreement, but still agreed to testify. He said he wanted everyone to believe him, but believed that he wasn't just giving his testimony in exchange for a specific sentence. Randy said Josh was fully aware that Heather was going to be killed and that Curtis pulled the trigger. On February 14, 1998, Josh was convicted on capital murder. He was sentenced to life in prison, plus 99 years for conspiracy. Dwayne and Gail said they 100% believe Randy. Randy requested to meet Heather's parents, and in May 1998, it was aired on ABC primetime. That I'm sorry I have all this happened. I know you And I wish there was a way I could have changed it and done something different. I finally got to tell them, you know, how I felt, you know, that I was sorry for what happened, and they thanked me for the testimony I gave. I mean, that may have been the turning point even because they believed you. But the jury, I know, believed you. Yeah. You didn't have to do what you did. I did the right thing. You did. It helped just to be able to talk to Randy to let him know what my feelings were because I wanted to know, Randy to know that I'd forgiven him. I want Randy went on trial in August 1998. Tim Cole tried to get Randy to take another plea deal to offer him a sentence lower than life in prison. Randy refused. On August 25, 1998, Randy was convicted of capital murder. He was sentenced to life with the possibility of parole after 48 years. I think about her every day, you know. When I wake up, before I go to bed, she's always on my mind, you know. It haunts me. It's just ingrained in my memory because it's undoubtedly the most horrible thing I've ever seen. On January 28, 2002, Curtis, Josh, and two other inmates escaped from the Monte County Jail. They went back to Belknap Creek and hid in caves. 
and weren't found for nine days. They were found in Ardmore, Oklahoma, after holding someone hostage at a gas station. Heather's parents divorced and moved away from the place that they called home. This case is so sad, and I know I say that at all the at the end of all my episodes, but Heather was an innocent girl. Sure, she snuck out, drank, etc., but I've been there before. I know what it's like to be a rebellious teen. Heather didn't deserve to be assaulted and brutally killed by three people that she knew. I don't think I could be as forgiving as Heather's parents were. Randy is still as just involved as Josh and Curtis, and maybe he does feel bad about what happened, but he still deserved to be in prison. Josh and Curtis deserve to rot forever. I truly think they would at least do something like this again. My book recommendation for this week is The Perfect Escape by Leah Conan. Summary, a girl's weekend to die for. New friends Sam, Margaret, and Deanna are thrilled to be getting out of the city for a girl's weekend. They've bonded over their messy divorces, and every mile on the odometer feels like another step towards putting their exes in the past. When car trouble halfway into their trip strands them in the most unlikely of mountain towns, they come face-to-face with the hurts and betrayals they were so desperate to leave behind. When Deanna doesn't return home after a night out, Sam and Margaret search for her, reveals just how little they know about their friend. As eerie coincidences and secrets begin to pile up, and an ex-boyfriend arrives in town, in the, t- the woman realizes that their detour may not have been a mistake, and that someone wants to guarantee that they never make it out. Review a group of women go on what they believe to be a relaxing vacation. When Deanna goes missing, the other two realize they didn't actually know this person as well as they thought. This book proves that it's not uncommon for close friends to grow apart. It's very twisty thriller. It kept me guessing until the very end. This is when I know I picked up a good book. I give it an 8 out of 10. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please let me know what you think. Subscribe to my blog. Follow me on Instagram. Email me. Rate, review, etc. I'll be back again next week with an all-new case and book recommendation. And remember, it's crime o'clock somewhere.